0: Hey, hey, hey guys, this is Talk Time with Hope. I am Hope. Now let's do it. Let's get to it. It is April the 29th and yes, I told you that I was going to come back in a couple of days and here I uh, is. Hope Everything has been going well in the short time, short amount of time since my last episode. So today is part two, the continuation of living with an, an autoimmune disease disease or disorder, I don't know how they, sometimes they say disease, sometimes they, they say disorder, called lichen planus, lichen planopilaris, and oral lichen planus, or oral corrosion lichen planus, which, again, to give you a little, you know, background from what my other episode was, so the lichen planus affects the skin, the lichen planopilaris affects the scalp, and the lichen... The the oral or corrosive like plan so fix the mouth. But I uh, before I get into the actual skin part of this, guys, I wanted to kind of just go back a little bit about what it was like to wear a wig, what it is continues to be like wearing a wig. It took some time, it took an adjustment um to get used to wearing something that's not mine, you know, even if it's real hair, um, it's still not my hair. It's still my hair, my scalp, my hair missing in a scalp that is missing the thick, beautiful, curly, wavy hair that I had. And when I tell you I had some thick hair, I had some thick hair ever since, I mean, when I was born, I was born with some hair, you know what I'm saying? Like I had hair on my arms. I had a unibrow going on, you know what I'm saying? And thick eyebrows, thick hair, hair that people used to say, you know, my my siblings used to say I was Methusa, you know, the the goddess of the the Greek. I don't know if she was considered, now that I'm thinking about it, was she a goddess? But she was the one with the, the snakes in her hair. Yeah, that's how they used to kind of describe me growing up. I had a lot of hair. And when I look back at the pictures, holy cow, that's an understatement. I had a lot of hair, thick hair, gorgeous hair, Uh, One time I was getting my hair, um, my hair did, at the salon in Hawaii. And the guy was like, I'm going to spend a little extra time shampooing your hair because your hair is just so thick. And I'm just enjoying running my hands through your hair. Yeah, looking back, that's kind of a little bit creepy when you think about it. But this is somebody whose bread and butter is dealing with people's hair. And he was just so impressed how my hair was just so thick. And um, it was wavy-ish, curly-ish, wavy, curly, quavy, quavy, waley. I don't know. Put those two together. All to say that I had a lot of hair. When you thought about hope, you thought about a lot of hair. I even had the, you know, um, where the baby hair. Most people's baby hair grows, you know, they grow out of it, it falls off. But no, no, I had, I had a lot of hair. Uh, uh, basically, not a high forehead, but a low forehead. Um, a lot of, a lot of women, a lot of men, they have like really, I guess they're high, they're. Hairline is really high, I guess, and back and mine never was. It was, you know, I still always had my people like, well, "You still have your baby hair," uh, which may be an indication that I never quite grew up. And if there's people out there that know me, they might be like, "Yeah, you can say that again." No, but seriously, seriously, I had a lot of hair, and I loved having a lot of hair. And it's one of those things that you take for granted because people don't just like. It's kind of like with cancer; you don't ever think, you yeah, day I might get cancer. Nobody goes around going, you know, one day I might lose all of this or almost all of it or a good amount of it. And so when, I mean, I used to like love, love when somebody would like run their hands, their fingers through my hair. I think all of us do, you know, if you've got a nice head of hair and somebody can run, their fingers through it, you can run your fingers through it yourself. And I mean, like, it was almost like a massage, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to like make it sexy or intimate or anything. It was just a really good feeling, almost like a massage. Um, like if I was dating somebody and they were just like wanting to run their fingers through my hair, I, it was, of course I enjoyed that. I love that. And so, yeah, it was a big hit. Imagine having that all, you know, up until you're 30-something years old early to mid thirties. That's a long time. And then all of a sudden it starts to go away. So yeah, I I mean, I, of course I had started to get low self-esteem and of course I started to be insecure. Like I said in the last one, confidently insecure, that is. And I missed it. And I know to, 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 I know it's superficial. It, it's not, it wasn't cancer. It wasn't some serious disease, deliberating disease. Uh, yeah, I probably messed that word up. But anyway, I uh, got to put that on the list of the many words that I've messed up through these episodes. But you know what I'm trying to say? Like it, it, it was, you know, it still was something that I cherished. like something that I cherished without even knowing I cherished it was with my hair. Like I used to just, you know, be so cool and run my fingers through my hair and you know kind of sexy pose or whatever and I like that and now I can't do that now there's no hair to do that with now there's only the wigs and it's just you can't do that you know I mean maybe if I had like a $5,000 wig and it was you know I don't know really tightly put on my head but it's just it's never going to be the same it's never going to be the same because it's not my hair it's not my hair on my scalp so of course it's never going to be the same so it was it was eye opening to say this to say the least but at the same time it was also like you know it's superficial it's a part of me but it's not all of me it's not what defines me and i needed to remember that i needed to understand that because you know there were times in my past where i was a bit shallow some people who really, really know me through the years might say a bit hope. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I had some shallowness through the years. As much as I was insecure, I could still be shallow, right? Same as I could still be confident. So, I guess I was insecurely shallow. Shallow, but uh, and some of the most shallow people, I think, are some of the most insecure people. And I'm not saying that it was karma. That oh, you know, that's what you get for being shallow through those times that you in those times that you were shallow. I'm not saying that. I don't personally think that's how it works in this universe. Or that God was punishing me for being shallow by taking my hair and showing me, you know, um, what you liked and appreciated it and maybe didn't always value can be taken away from you. But at the same time, y'all, it is kind of true, you know, be grateful for what you do have, whether that's good health, whether that's good hair, whether that's good skin, whether that's a healthy mouth, because all those things have been have affected my life. And so, yeah, and and with regards to the wig, you know, imagine never wanting to get on a roller coaster because you're afraid that that roller coaster, like there have been videos of women with wigs and they're on roller coasters and then they lose their wig. And the thing about that is the ones in the videos I've seen, they still had hair underneath that wig. It's not the same. As I said previously, it's not the same. I don't have a nice head of hair or decent amount of hair. Um, once that wig comes off, it, I know I'm not a freak and I'm not going to, I don't think I'd scare people, but I definitely think I'd surprise people. Um, and so I can't necessarily, I don't feel like I can do the things that everybody else can do. I went to Finland, I went to Santa Claus's village, y'all don't get drilled, And I did snowmobile riding and I almost backed out of that snowmobile riding because, because why? Because, you had to put a a, um, a helmet on and I'm wearing a wig and I, you know, I had a beanie on. And, and so I, I, I was, I managed, I, you know, they had a private bathroom and, and I said, I need, I need some privacy, you know, and I, and I managed to put the helmet on and it's a tight helmet. It's so super, super tight. And you can, I didn't have to worry about it falling off, but it was something that I didn't feel good about doing in front of other people because I had to adjust my wig and, you know, wearing the bandana or the beanie that I had underneath it. And then when we got back from that amazing experience of riding the, um, the snowmobiles, um, I, you know, went to the bathroom again in order to, you know, everybody's just taking off their helmet and, you know, adjusting their hair. And I, yeah, I didn't have that. So I went into the bathroom and took the helmet off and re- positioned my wig and the beanie and everything and came back and voila, you know looking looking all right. So one, yeah, I didn't let having hair loss in a wig get me from stop me from from traveling from from doing a snowmobile ride and stuff. so I was very happy about that. But two, it also was is is difficult because of the insecurities because of the feeling of embarrassment if the helmet was to come off. And the wig would come with it. And then when I went to Norway, there was a Native American or not, sorry, na- Native uh, Norwegian, the indigenous peoples to Norway, we got to go see the reindeer farm and got to pet the reindeers. And they gave the, this native Norwegian indigenous man gave, you know, kind of like a show of their tribe and their things. And, and, and there was like a, a hat that he wanted to put on me and he had been drinking. The lady actually said that, he, he had been drinking alcohol, so he might've been a little drunk, which is funny in itself. But anyway, I was next to him and he was going to try to take my beanie off to put the hat on, you know, no, don't touch, don't touch purse. Don't touch me without like asking. And those are the things that we have to worry about. Those are the things that people who wear wigs have to be concerned about because they're to be concerned to say, you know, is somebody going to try to take my beanie off? Is somebody going to try to take my hat off? Is somebody going to try to touch my hair without my permission and and so you're almost like 24/7 you have to be like uh, always on your guard and and you know make sure that nobody's going to surprise you kids little kids you know kids love to touch people and touch things and they don't ask permission and so uh it is an, it's a constant I'm not saying it's a constant worry or constant fear I'm not I don't live in anxiety in that sense but there are times where I've had anxiety where like especially when that guy so when that guy went to grab my beanie and take my beanie off I had to like quickly stop him from doing that because he was gonna pull the wig right off and though the two people that I was traveling with are so amazingly cool and one of them I think knew about me wearing a wig the other one didn't and I didn't want to like come out of the closet right then and there because it would have been embarrassing it would have I mean imagine yeah, it's just, amazing. I'm like, that's hilarious, and that would have been funny, but no, it's not funny to the person that lives with hair loss. It's not funny with the person when the person is the one that is secretly in the closet about wearing a wig, and like I said, maybe in the previous episode, I think, I said, I'm pretty sure people wondered. I'm pretty, pretty sure people guessed or were inclined to think, Hey, you know, her hairstyle never changes. I mean, it looks really natural. looks real, but I think it's not real. And the last example I'll give you is when I was in Saudi, I was at the second place I was teaching in a city called Ahasa and it was early in the morning and I was walking to my class and I hit something like there was like a little bar that's, that shouldn't have been where it was when we were going up the stairs and my head hit it and it, pushed the wig back just a little not a lot but just a little and there was a student right there and I sh- I, I'm i pretty sure she saw the, the the wig go back and I you know she she smiled and she didn't say anything and I was like oh you know probably try to play it off but then I went to my class I don't know late a little later and one of the girls in the front row she was an older student and she pointed to my hair and without saying anything and you know she was kind of suggesting that I was wearing a wig in her own way. There was no other way to interpret what she was suggesting when suggesting when she was pointing to her hair and then looking at me and something. And then, you know, I think she did give me a thumbs up. And, you know, in the, in the religion of Islam, people are, you know, I, from what I was taught anyway, um, it's like plastic surgery and all of that stuff is not allowed, um, unless it's because somebody has, you know, going through some kind of serious uh, like accident where their face needed reconstruction, or if they're going through cancer, they can wear a wig. So I think because the students knew that I was a cancer survivor, um, they didn't really do anything or, of course, not say anything. And maybe they felt sorry for me, which I wouldn't have wanted that either. But that's... Those are the, some of the examples of, of when I feel really kind of insecure and I feel kind of, again, I'm not, I'm not saying I was ashamed, but just a lot embarrassed. And I hated that. I, and I don't like it even now because it's not my fault. I didn't do anything. I didn't um, cause this to happen. It's just something that I believe I was exposed to that caused all these things to happen. And Going into moving into what I was going to t- what what I'm talking to you about today in part two is the skin issue. So, like I said, the skin issue um, started in 2002 when I started to notice little brown spots and different places on my body. Now, this is when truly the the insecurities were in full throttle, if you will, where I I, I mean it got so bad. It started out with just a couple of color a uh, color, couple of um, like brown spots here and there but places where people wouldn't wouldn't notice unless you know I was at the pool or as because under under my armpits um or if there was somebody who might have been you know somebody I was close to close to if you know what I mean but other than that like they weren't obvious but from 2002 going into to into the middle of the 2000s the the I was doing I was having two things happen at the same time. the horribleness of the scalp and the agony of the, the itching and the pain and the crying at night, while at the same time the brown spots were starting to appear more and more on different parts of my body. Slowly, nothing nothing too fast. But then when we got up to 2008, we fast forward into 2008. Now it's starting to go on my face. Where it's more noticeable, and it, it looked like a little dirt on my chin, like it just looked like a little bit of dirt, and I was just scratching it, like I was trying to trying trying to clean it off, and it wasn't coming off. And there was it was a little bit bigger and pronounced. Nothing off the skin; it was never like anything you could touch or cut or anything like that. It was just brown blotches in various different sizes and shapes and stuff. Uh, but this one was on my face. And I've never really wore makeup. I mean, if you know me, I, I, I wore a little makeup when I was in school, when I graduated eighth grade to ninth grade or something like that. And I didn't like it. And everybody always said I had such good soft skin and I, there was no need to. And my mom was like, yeah, because my mother never really wore a lot of makeup either. And so I, I just chose not to wear makeup. All growing up, you know, in my early 20s, in my mid 20s, in my 30s, I just was not one to wear makeup. Um i seem to think that i was just because i'm lazy too and makeup takes a lot of time and i learned that very quickly but anyway so 2008 by the end of the 2008 year i noticed that on my chin and i didn't know how to do makeup so i kind of like just learned to put a little bit of foundation there And kind of like, even though it didn't, it wasn't even, it was horrible, guys, because I was like, it was noticeable. If I look back at pictures, you could tell that something didn't match and it was that makeup that was. So it was like, I was covering the brown spot by covering it with something that was more lighter than my actual skin. So it was kind of defeated the purpose. You know what I'm saying? Like, I should have just been okay with having a brown spot on my chin. But when, again, going back, and I'll say this a lot, when when you live with insecurities, it's just, you know... I'd rather people say, yeah, she, her makeup is a little bit weird, but I then to say, what's that brown spot on her chin? But people were like, why does she wear makeup there? But that didn't make any sense to me, right? Because ergo the insecurities again. So the brown spot started to show up even more on my face. And so by 2009, it got more. So I had to learn how to wear makeup, like, I Man, 2009 to 2010, I just felt like a freak. I just felt like, what is going on with me? What is going on with my body? Why are these brown spots getting worse? Where did they come from? And I I think I, I heard that it was called lichen planus because the scalp was lichen planipolarius. And I think that I read somewhere that it possible if you get lichen Polarius that you're also going to get lichen or if you get lichen planus you're also going to be more prone to get the other types of lichen planus so my mom she's god bless my mother but she was like because i was i lived in germany for two years so my mom was like well maybe it's german you know, and she sounds lichen planet sounds german for her for some reason to my mother maybe you were exposed to something when you were in the woods out there and i was like well, maybe Uh, Again, until I found out and that revelation of the fact that the base soldiers and civilians were exposed to toxins and metals and chemicals and all of that horrible stuff, not to mention we were down the street from the makers of Agent Orange. Hello. So that stuff was in the air on top of the stuff being in the ground and being in the ground for years But at any rate, I, uh, and oh, by the way, side note, a friend of mine wanted to know if I'm allowed to talk about this, if I'm allowed to even mention Fort McCullough in Alabama. I have never been told I couldn't talk about it. I have never signed an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, um, because first of all, the military, the government doesn't admit that people were adversely affected, negatively affected by the stuff that was on that fort. So, you know, you can't sign an NDA when they're not even admitting that it exists. Furthermore, there are groups that have, you know, made groups on Facebook, people that have made groups on Facebook as uh, activists, if you will, to bring out the more awareness of those that have been exposed. And on top of it, I, I met somebody on Facebook who wrote actually a book very 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 intense detailed book it's like over 400 pages like god bless that guy for putting in the I, mean, I can't imagine how many hours he had to put in to write in that book and it's beyond some of my comprehension like i bought the book or he gave me the book basically and we did like a book swap if you will but at any rate he i mean damn man put so much research into what he wrote and I am so impressed and he is one of the biggest activists for, uh, not fighting, but fighting to get the word out that this is a real thing and that people are literally dying off, waiting to see if they're going to get any kind of um, appropriations, if you will, by getting their disability claims um, approved. I am one of many. I I have not met anybody that has gone through what I have gone through, but I have met uh, on the Facebook groups people who have lots of issues with psoriasis, you know, so the skin, of thyroid issues, cancer issues, all. I mean, you name it. People are coming out saying, look, this doesn't run in my family. And that's the thing. People can have these illnesses and it's genetic. It runs in the family. But like I told you in my previous episode, this does not run in my family. Nobody in my family has ever had the skin issues, for sure. And nobody's ever had the scalp issue. Nobody's ever had this mouth issue. Nobody on both sides of my family has ever talked about this. My mom's like, no, nobody on your dad's side either. She told me. But back to the skin. So, to that friend, no, I have not signed any NDAs. I would never be talking about this if I had a... Had had have had 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 signed any D, uh, non-DAs or been told that I'm not allowed to talk about this. You can't talk about something that they don't admit exists, right? So here we are. But anyway, the skin got more and more intense with brown spots. I'm talking, guys. If by by 2011, I feel strongly that the fact that cancer came along in 2011 that it. It, it, it kind of inflamed everything. It intensified everything that was already there. Because I have evidence that this happened before cancer. A year before cancer, I was taking pictures of the different parts of my body that were getting brown spots. I didn't go anywhere without long sleeves. I didn't go anywhere without long shorts if I did wear shorts. I did not let anybody see my body. I was so, this is where I felt like I was ashamed of my body because I felt like I know it's maybe silly, but I felt like a freak. And I've said it before and I'll say it now. Like, I literally felt like I was some monster, some freak, because my body was doing something that I did not know what it was doing. I didn't understand it. I didn't know why it was happening, what has caused my body to go into this weird, weird place. I'm talking on my back, in between my toes, in between my fingers my scalp, my neck, my face. And so that's where wearing makeup became my total priority. I found out L'Oreal, by the way, shout out to L'Oreal because L'Oreal makes this amazing foundation that can last like 16 hours. And I found one that matched my skin tone. And I put that foundation on and I covered my face. I covered my neck. You you wouldn't be able to see. There are very few people that ever saw me without my makeup on very, I'm talking, I can count with one hand of people who have saw me that I allowed to see me without my makeup on, unless they were a doctor. And I was in Saudi. So I didn't go to, I I, I did the um, homeopathy stuff, nothing, you know, there, there just wasn't anything. And I was tired of being given the traditional medicine. So I just lived with it. I just lived with, this is my life. This is, this is, this has happened to me. I don't understand why it's happened. I don't understand where it came from, but I am not going to let it stop me from living. I'm not going to stop wanting to travel and wanting to teach and wanting to be an inspiration and motivate my my students and encourage them and, and build their confidence and show them that I'm one of their number one fans. I am their number one fan. And put that belief in them that they can do anything that they want to. They just have to believe in themselves, have faith in God and, and yeah, move forward. And and I love that I got to be a part of that. So, yeah, before I started wearing wigs, I wore scarves over my, like, bandanas. I was the bandana teacher because up until 2011, I didn't wear a wig, right? I just, the, 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 the top of my scalp was where most of the um, damage, if you will, was and the thinning of the hair and everything. So I just wore a bandana and I got away with it. I got to wear colorful bandanas and And, and so I didn't care. Yeah, maybe they guessed, maybe they wondered. And then the makeup, I didn't go anywhere with my mind. My, my face looked flawless, really. Like it was like flawless. But let me tell you, living in Saudi Arabia where the weather gets to 125 degrees, that's a crazy... That's how good L'Oreal was. L'Oreal, I'm seriously, uh, if, if anybody out there represents L'Oreal, let me tell you, L'Oreal, I wish I could do, a uh, you know, this episode, this episode was brought to you by L'Oreal, L'Oreal, the makeup that will last and last and last, even through 125 degree weather, like Saudi Arabia or Dubai. I mean, I, w- I wanted to rub my face all the time because I'm used to just touching my face, right? Because I, I told you I never wore makeup. I didn't go around make make wearing makeup until I was in my mid-30s. So I almost used to, if I'm sweating, I touch my face. I, you know, put my hands over my, I couldn't do that. Imagine having to control yourself and not touching your, your face because you didn't want to rub the makeup off. I'm, I'm seriously 125 degrees. Oh my God. I'm surprised it didn't melt off of me, but that's how great it was. It would go, you know, have it on my clothes sometimes like around the neck area. But other than that, it was amazing. Um, I can't say that enough, but anyway, I, I didn't, I think a friend of mine, she, she saw me one time at night when I had my makeup off and she said that she saw a little bit, but it was dark because the, the the blotches on my face were just so pronounced. I mean, it, I don't know if I said this previously, but one time my brother saw me without my makeup on and he kind of like, was spooked by it in any apologized. He didn't mean to make it as if I scared him, but he hadn't seen me without my makeup on. And he didn't know how to like react to all the blotches that were on my face. And yeah, I did that for five years. I didn't go anywhere without makeup on sometimes I would sleep with that makeup on and just because I was too lazy to put it on the next day (laughs) Uh, but then I would shower and take it off and put it back on because makeup ain't cheap guys makeup ain't cheap and I learned that really quick so I had to buy the foundation then I had to buy the the powder and you know the, the the stuff to put the makeup on you know the brush and all that good jazz somebody who never wore makeup learned how to apply makeup very quickly and then eventually my eyebrows started to go away and they got thinner and thinner, and this again, guys, this was all before cancer. Two thousand and eleven was really the the pivotal time where everything kind of was more induced, if you will, and i I don't know what was going on i I just know that. Things were still happening to me, and I feel strongly that because cancer came, they said maybe around June of 2011, and I was diagnosed in December of 2011, so there was six months there where uh, I had cancer, and I didn't even know I had it, so I don't know if that was the cancer that just kind of made everything more intense with this hair loss and with the, especially with the skin issue. But, I mean, it, it, it was... I look back at pictures. I mean, I had it on the outside of my I had my palms, brown spots on my palms, brown spots on the outside of my palms. I could I wouldn't have lifted my under my, under my arms for anybody because there were they, those little brown spots that they started out in, in 2002 became giant blotches. And they scarred my back is scarred to this day because of all those brown spots. It, it looked like I had been hit by some something something attacked my body in 2011 where it got worse anyway in 2011, but it happened way before 2011 and 2011 was just the, the high point of it. And then cancer came. And so um, that was the priority. And I've talked about cancer before, but I'm going to skip through. So in 2012, when I went back to Saudi after chemotherapy and everything. So now I think the chemo really did something to my body and yeah, chemo definitely affected my body and it put my skin into like hyper mode or something like that. And I'm going to get to the rest of this in part three. But so we've covered the hair and we covered the skin. Now we're going to go get to the, to the mouth. And as far as how's my, how's my skin today, guys, with, well, the exception of the scarring on the back and, you know, maybe some under my armpits, but not very many, you would never know you would never know that i had all those splotches and brown spots and everything and i haven't worn makeup in a good couple of years now so but we'll get to that in the next episode bye for now god bless see you on the flip side peace